Hello and welcome, friends, to a new episode of the Epistemic Unruliness segment of the Always Already podcast. This is James Padiglione, Jr., coming to you live from the Media Center and Swim Library at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. I just want to say thank you to John, who had hosted the previous episode of Epistemic Unruliness for me. Um, And it's a wonderful thing to be a member of a collective and to collaboratively work together with others and to kind of share one subjectivity um, as an entity. Um, as the Always Already podcast or as Epistemic Unruliness, it is an intrasubjective kind of co-presenced um, organism. So it's not just a one-person show. Um, and so, John, thank you. And I'm talking about the Always Already podcast hosts in this way because I've already recorded the interview that we're going to have today that talks about many things. But one of the things that we do talk about is neoliberal subjectivity on this interview and the difference between a neoliberal subjectivity that has everyone atomized and in a market kind of uh, context versus other types of subjectivities that would be more collaborative and not running on market logics where subject and objects are divided and are in a kind of free competition um, with each other. So um, we're going to talk about the shared economy on the upcoming interview. If you have used apps such as Uber or Airbnb or something like that, then you are familiar with this already. But what exactly does the shared economy reveal about postmodern anxiety and about neoliberal subjectivity? Stay tuned. Alright, so it is my privilege to welcome to Epistemic Unruliness um, Liat Verdugo and Emily Martinez, um, and I'll just read some of the bios that I have for them, and then we'll let them tell you exactly who they are, but Liat Verdugo is an artist, writer, and curator based in Oakland, California, and her work strives to create an expanded, thoughtful consideration for digital culture. Verdugo has been exhibited in galleries and festivals internationally and collaborates widely with individuals and archives. And she is an assistant professor of art and architecture at the University of San Francisco. Um, at the end of the show, we'll let you all give out plugs and stuff because then you have websites and we can post that on our website as well. Um, so then Emily Martinez is an a- artist working with digital and re- network media. Her recent practice and research interests examine the relationship between media, memory, and catastrophe. Post-representational forms of subjectivity, emancipatory practices, and the digital archive. And Martinez has an international exhibition record and holds an MFA in digital arts and new media from the University of California, Santa Cruz. And she currently lives in Los Angeles. So welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you. Thank you you so much for uh, being willing to come on, and I'm excited for the conversation that we're going to have. Um, I'm anticipating it's going to be interesting, um, interesting topics for our listeners. But before we get into your work um, and what you all do specifically, um, why don't you give me a little bit more background about um, the two of you? I guess you would you consider your work a collective, or is two enough for a collective? Um, You're you're. And just so the reader or the listeners know, there is a performance activist art um, element to um, what Liat and Emily do. So go ahead, take it away. I think we consider ourselves a collaborative duo. Okay. Um, 
and yeah, we got started. Um, we got started working together this past July. Um, I was I was running a new media art summit up in Point Arena, California, um, which is the place where the Trans Pacific Internet cables come and dock from Japan hmm. and dock on the United States. And I was co-running this summit called World Wide West that bring together um, new media artists from all across the U.S. And um, someone said, "Oh, you have to invite." this woman named Emily Martinez up from LA to come to this. And that's how Emily and I first started to meet. Um, and from that point on, we just sort of found that our art and our, our art making and our ideologies behind how we work shared so much in common. And um, we went from there. So what um the ideologies that you share in common, what can you elaborate on those a little bit more? And then we'll move into your the project that you're working on currently, but what are your orientations towards art and activism? Hmm. I don't know that we've talked about this. Um, we've just been kind of sharing and making and adding a lot of ideas and things to a queue that nobody says no to. <laughs> um, so right now it's, it's a process, right? Where, I mean, I have my own ideas about how I align myself with, uh, art and activism but that manifests differently with different people and different you know different um works mm -hmm. um so maybe that's something we can just answer as we keep talking and unpacking right yeah i think it'll answer itself it'll answer itself all right so then that's okay that's that's a good segue then um to so the project that i i believe the project's called making you making others um, and there's also a website, um, anxious to make .ga, which we'll link to later. You know, actually, okay, before I, I wanted to play just a little bit of the making you video. Um, so that way the listeners have a, an idea of what it is, and then you can explain what your polemic is or what your focus is, um, that this video is trying to lampoon. So here's that video. Are you stressed? Overwhelmed by unfulfilled desires, wishing you had just a little more me time. Well, now is your opportunity. Learn how you can harness the power of the sharing economy to make yourself in just five easy steps. Don't know what you need for you? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Our algorithm will generate solutions for over 100 common anxieties about yourself, such as to make yourself auto tune how to make yourself better, how to make yourself bleed, how to make yourself blind, how to make yourself a better singer. All right, I'll stop it there, but it, it keeps going for quite a bit with, with this repeated mantra, how to make yourself blank, how to make yourself blank. So tell me about, the, and this is the Making You video, um, for, and also we'll post the link so that way listeners can look at it because it's your basic kind of telemarket or your, your like late night, um, is it telemarketing, I guess? Uh, you, you know, your late night sales pitch kind of gentleman standing there with like this kind of very cheesy looking graphics over his shoulder. So... What is he selling, and what are you uh, trying to pick up on with this video and this project? Uh, well, um, so that video started as a kind of a, a promotional piece, right? Like a pr promotional 
slash performance collaboration between us and this gig economy spokesperson for hire that we commissioned on fiber.com um, to read over this script, which I generated using the Google Suggest API, <laughs> searching for the phrases, how to make yourself blank and how to make others blank. There's a second video about making others, but this one's about making you. So um, the idea originated while thinking about another project performance that we have on our very long list called how to make yourself into a commissioning body in five easy steps. And we'll, we'll have to circle back to that. All but right. For now, um, it was just in thinking about that phrase, like unpacking that phrase, a commissioning body, which for me conjures a lot of different images about what, you know, about commissioning, about bodies, about making things with bodies, wanting things with bodies, um, exploiting bodies, about desire, and uh, the relationship between desire and production and networks of production. So I was thinking about making, right, like this... this make to make me right not as it relates to the production of objects and things but like this very different kind of making so making friends making a first impression making out that kind of thing <laughs> um, and it didn't take long for that train of thought to turn into you know the google search that turned into the mantra that turned into this marketing video um, which can also function initially for me i was picturing it as like on a web page right like i'm thinking about like clicks and like building a funnel to drive traffic to my website that everyone will like me on. Um, and then they'll learn how to make themselves more likable too by watching this video. <laughs> I mean, so is there, do you think, so the sharing economy um, aspect of this, what do you, what is the sharing economy to you and how does that relate to this like sense of making yourself or making your life a kind of project, um, a, a market venture? Yeah, so so I live in the Bay Area, um, and and Emily has lived up in Santa Cruz when she was doing her MFA, and so we both have lived pretty close to this technological epicenter where a lot of these things are coming from, and um, the sharing economy is something that we've both lived in and around for quite some time, and we've been thinking about it maybe less in terms of the sharing economy and more in terms of the leasing economy or the on-demand economy mm. and ways in which um, that economy, people turn to it to um, to try to outsource elements of their lives in order to make, oftentimes to make more time, right? Okay, if I get somebody to park my car for me, then I have more time. If I get somebody to deliver my groceries for me, then I have more time. If I get somebody to do X for me, then I have more time. And then the question becomes, more time for what? Right. And um, so one aspect that we were playing with is when this economy is created and you are attempting so much to just frantically press buttons on your phone to get more time, more of this, more of that, what are you wanting more of it for? Right? What, what is this anxiety of pressing things for more and more and more? Like, what is the end goal? And we were interested in ways to use the so-called sharing economy to make it sort of eat, eat itself, to feed itself, right? So how can we use this very beast to funnel it itself back into itself? Right. That part of it is interesting, too, because you're not just using, like, 
picking on the shared economy to kind of make a critique out of it, but you're also looking for spaces within its very structure itself that could possibly be like these sites of its undoing. And, and so like, I guess the video it's like takes it to, and so for me, like as a, an observer and a watcher of that video, it seems like you're taking it to such an absurd level, but you're using the same kind of mechanism, right? It still has, it's a web presentation. It's, it's, you know, engaging digital technologies and whatnot, but you're using those to undo it. Is that what you're, how you mean by engaging the shared economy to kind of funnel it back in on itself or? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think that, you know, we each have our own ideas of what art is supposed to do, but I think that when art can be that thing that disautomates or unhinges a reality from what you expect it to be through the very object that, that you experience the reality to begin with, then that's the ultimate goal. Right. When you get this sort of poetic estrangement or uh, um, from a thing that you are so familiar with to begin with, that that's the goal. So, I'm like, want to yeah. add to that? No, I agree with that. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I guess if we can keep unpacking this a little bit deeper, the the sharing economy, the 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 mentality that your life can be made over in different ways, that you can approach your life in the same way that you would an entrepreneurial venture or whatnot. Um, what is your your website and your other materials that I've worked through before? You mentioned the the kind of subjectivity that's produced in within neoliberal. Uh, networks and within neoliberal spaces and so what kind of subjectivity are we are we experiencing um through this um hmm, okay i I think i want to talk about two different things but maybe maybe we'll do the just the the neoliberal subject by itself first because I want to talk about this in relationship to art practice. Okay. Later. But, um, but you know, it's this idea, right, of, like, this, the entrepreneur of the self, the self-made man. And to make the case for the sharing economy, for example, tech companies and corporate culture, they try to sell us these values, right, of entrepreneurship and flexibility and autonomy and choice. We get to be free agents. Um, <laughs> And there's this excess of positivity around these ideas too, right? Which is, for me, evidence is like the anxiety that there's this underlying, you know, energy um, happening. And at the same time, there's like the social shifts from, like if we're going from like liberalism to neoliberalism, where under liberalism, like everything is about exchange. The mm-hmm. exchange value of things for value, you know, profit, right? Like this is bound to like a sense of satisfaction and under neoliberalism, everything is based on credit and borrowing. So value is shared. It's not exchange. We're always in debt to someone else, and this is bound to our sense of self-esteem, right? So there's this shift from, like, want to vulnerability, and then the anxiety is tied to this need for validation, right, that comes through because of these conditions that underlie our social economic interactions, and then that gets us into things uh, like reputation as capital, self-branding, mm. exposure, getting more likes, more followers, more friends, right? We have to manage all of these identities and personas that get us more and more and more of these things that we need. 
John here. Uh, sorry to have to cut in, but got a little bit of bad news in that uh, the audio file here got corrupted and we lost, sadly, maybe about three and a half minutes of the interview. Um, so there are some very smart things that Emily and Liat were saying about the sharing economy that you are going to miss out a little bit now. And then when we cut back in, we're gonna have James um, asking them about the relationship of the sharing economy and it's maybe potentiality uh, to think about post-capitalism. So again, sorry to miss out on these couple of minutes, but it's just extra reason why you should probably go check out Emily and Liat's project online. Thanks. Right, the, the, the sharing economy is somehow the answer to moving beyond uh, a traditional kind of industrial capital set up um, that by sharing through the sharing economy where you know you can do good and you can be more ethical through the shared economy right. oh gosh I think it's the opposite I think that the sharing economy uh, like widens the gap between the people who are standing outside waiting to park the cars and the people who have the cars to park right I don't think the sharing economy is doing anything of the sort. <laughs> so, okay, right. I, it's even the more important to make, to make this kind of work. Do you think, so yeah, my, I, and I agree with you there. I wonder if the people in the shared economy see that. Like, are, or are they not even aware of the kind of disparity and the unequalness that, say, hailing an Uber versus taking a cab or something or people waiting for mass transit? Do you see an awareness of their position? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, you know, speak for, you know, for all the billions of dollars spent on, on marketing, right, and on posturing, whatever it is. And I've gone to a lot of tech meetups and, you know, conferences, and I, I think they really believe that what they're doing is for the good of humanity, right? That, mm. you know, letting capitalism run wild, if, if put in the right, in the hands of the right people, right? These tech people, then they're gonna, they're gonna help us. They're gonna save us. Um, but I actually want to give, give us like a little bit, like a note of hope, right? Which, you know, we're critiquing this very, uh, particular, like, brand of, of, the sharing economy, which comes to to us through Silicon Valley and venture capitalists and that whole thing. But, right. Um, just this past weekend, the New School hosted this conference titled "Platform Cooperatism," um, and the whole mission of of that it was to bring together all of these people who want to um, co-opt the tech platforms, right, that have been built by these startups in Silicon Valley, but to restructure them so that we can put them to work for democratic values um and you know i mean i haven't i've listened to like a little bit of that but already like i was really excited because you know there's one way that like critically engaged like thoughtful creative people with empathy and integrity and vision are coming together right to form cultures of solidarity that actually think about ways in which we could we could use this to do something that actually is better for people right right just for um stakeholders and so one of the problems with neoliberalism in my opinion is the 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 kind of migration of 
market logic and market metaphors to other realms of life, right? It's other spheres of life. And so whether it is looking at your personal life project as a project and that you you know you're on this like you're building a brand or for yourself or whether it is thinking uh or or i guess the 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 phenomenon of say like the the entrepreneurialism or not entrepreneur entrepreneurialization of nonprofit charity works and that kind of thing uh to the very academy becoming more and more of a market you know, business with administrators who have MBAs. Um, so like we're seeing just a, in the total encroach of this kind of market logic that has us all atomized, that has us all in competition. Um, and so I, I appreciate you looking for not, you know, critiquing that, but finding possibility and finding ways that we can reappropriate the, the, the mechanisms and the tools. Um, how, what is so? What is the other project? The commissioning body. How can you relate that back into this conversation? As you said, you wanted to cycle back to it. Um, what did you do with that that project? Yeah, so that's a project that's coming up in February um, that we're going to be staging in Berlin at Transmediale, and uh, basically we're going to be making algorithms to help people and artists turn themselves into commissioning bodies in five easy steps with the sharing economy. So you um, come to our performative lecture and workshop, which will be half Emily and myself and half twins we found on Fiverr who do the workshop with us (laughs) through videos. And we guide uh, people through these steps of um, how they can make new work as artists um, with the sharing economy. So, uh, what they want, we help the guide them through what they want to make, how much money they want to spend, and our algorithm, our, our algorithm spits out. Okay, you should spend your money here on this site um, with this with this person uh, commissioning this thing. And so yeah. it's sort of a way in order to you know turn these services um, around and say, all right, we're now going to be using these these things to to make work with. Right, right. It's interesting, yeah, but the idea of the algorithm, which so much of the the marketing today, you know, shows up. Your Facebook algorithm is going to market exactly to you what they they know that you would be interested in. Um, so this again, it's it's using the the mechanism to kind of undo it at the same time. Um, it's very interesting. So we're actually coming down to the last last few minutes. Um, and so I think we've talked about most of the the, the big ticket items um, with your work and as it relates to neoliberal subjectivity and the kind of neoliberal encroach on every facet of life. Um, where do you all see? So this was this project for the commissioning bodies coming up in February. Do you have plans beyond that, or how do you normally go about um, deciding a new project to work on? Um, we're doing a project in March at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts yeah. as part of their um, labor think tank in the middle of March. Um, Emily and I, uh, we really believe in the muchness of the internet, and I'd say that that's a big part of how we work together is through like a lot of muchness. <laughs> we, throw, we tend to just like throw a lot of Im- images, ideas, and notes back and forth, and um, 
that usually manifests as like a hundred text messages in one day and then a project happens as a result. So I kind of think that's how we'll keep working, Emily. Would you <laughs> say so? I would agree. Do you find even in your own working process with each other that you're kind of trying to undo some of the logic that you critique in your work or do you see yourselves you see, as like a because it's a duo, right? There's a different kind of subjectivity between working alone. And I, so do you try to bring it all the way through the work that the, the duo aspect of, of what you're doing is, I'm not sure if this question is making much sense, right? <laughs> but uh, how did, are you, do you, you work in dialogue with each other? Does one person come up with an idea and then, you, you know, you go back and forth until you reach consensus or? I think we say a lot of yeses to each other yeah. as much as possible. Um, I think it's, I think one of the things that's really hard in terms of neoliberalism and capitalism is that uh, the market usually wants to know who did what. Right. right? And that, that's the biggest problem with working as a duo or as a collective is that the market wants to know who did what or who started what. And our stance is more like, well, we did. Yeah. Um, and we both have really different rhythms of how we work and really different energies and paces. And that really serves us. Um, Cause sometimes I'm a sprinter and Emily runs a marathon and sometimes it's the other way. It's wonderful. And there's a, the, the combination of both or the kind of integration, the, the, the kind of interweaving of two different styles can, you can, you know, there's much more grounds, much more generative grounds than if, you were working alone or if you were just one person. So I, I think even art itself is one of these realms that allows for, you know, pr practicing a different type of subjectivity. And, and so it's interesting to see how an art duo goes about that as well. Um, I'm going to let you all have the last final words. If there's anything else you want to make sure the listeners know about you or hear um, your personal websites, but I will say that, your main website right now is anxious to make.ga, which has the making you video on there. Um, and so there'll be a making others video forthcoming. Uh, yeah, hopefully by early December, that should be live. All right, cool. So we'll post those links on our website on the always already podcast. Um, so people can get to that. And so I will let you both Leah and Emily, uh, any personal websites you want to make us point us out to or twitters you know any kind of thing like that go for it if you go to the website that you've pointed everyone to and you really like us um there will be something you can click on that will have links to our individual websites and those individual websites have links to all of our social things so um so i think that's that's what i'm gonna recommend all right that's nice and direct and yeah. um after you watch the video, you can take uh, a survey about what you want to make yourself most and earn a free one-on-one -on -one Skype consultation with Emily and myself. All right. That's exciting. Um, I'm going to... So I will make sure that we get all those links posted onto our website. Um, Liat Bardugo and Emily Martinez, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your project with us and for an interesting conversation about neoliberalism and the shared economy. Um, and when we come back, I will wrap up the show. Thanks, James. Thank you. Thank you.
And I want to give a special thanks to Leah Bardugo and Emily Martinez once again for coming on to today's podcast and having such an interesting conversation with us about the shared economy and about the ongoing development of neoliberal subjectivity in the 21st century. Um, again, go to Always Already Podcast website and take a look at this episode. You can find the links to both Leah and Emily's projects and their individual work as well. And from the Always Already Podcast website, you can continue to listen to more episodes of this show with yours truly and with all of us, um, John, B, Rachel, and Emily. I want to wish you a wonderful day. Thank you. joining us on another episode of the Always Already Podcast, which is created by Emily Crandall, Rachel Brown, James Pataloni Jr., B. Altman, and John McMahon. Visit our website, alwaysalreadypodcast.wordpress.com. Follow us on Twitter, at alwaysalreadyon. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And leave a nice review while you're there, if you're so inclined. Thank you to Rocco and Lizzie for their song, Universe de Grasse, and for B for the music in this episode. Coming up next on the Ozori podcast will be a text episode about Saskia Sassen's book, Expulsions, Complexity and Brutality in the Global Economy. Until next time, have an always already day. Alright, John, just cut out that whole part. We're going to start this all over again.